0: You're listening to the Locked On Ottawa Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan, alongside Chris Parliament. You may be wondering, where's Brandon Pillar? Well, he's on his way back from Mexico. He'll be in on tomorrow's episode, but we've got lots to get to today. The Ottawa Senators had a old-school-style game against the Philadelphia Flyers. Maybe Tempers got the better of Brady Kachuk at the end. We'll see what side of the fence the boys are on then tonight. The big Brad Bruins, the team who Ottawa hasn't beaten in the last 10 meetings. Not since Mark McArthur ended that playoff series. We'll talk about some keys to getting back in the win column against them. A team that doesn't need any help talking about the win column. The Belleville Senators. We'll talk about the prospects. Who should make the next step towards the Ottawa Senators should be. And lots more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. today is Monday December 9th I don't want Brady kachuk to do that all the time but I am on team kachuk send that message to that fake tough guy
1: absolutely and he showed so much moxie in that game scoring goals and going back and standing up for teammates and you know what there's the senators they're lacking that high-end talent but right now they're starting to build a reputation of Don't mess with us. So where they're lacking some of that skill and talent up in the front, Brady Kachuk's more than making up for it in a little bit of swagger. And I agree. Scott Lawton had it coming.
0: We're going to continue on on this game, but we should know talking about the toughness in the Sens lineup, great to see Scott Sabrin back at practice today. But Scott Lawton, all game long, he was chirping. Of course, he had the last laugh. He scored the game-winning goal. But you don't go by the team's bench chirping like that and not expect that something's coming your way he said after the game that he's got a bandaged hand I don't know what his excuse was but that he was ready for it but he wasn't ready for it you know what I mean like how can how can you do that and then not expect to at least get into a shoving match he folded like a lawn chair there on a on a little Brady Kachuk cross check
1: Yeah, if you're going to do the crime, you got to do the time. you got to pay for what you did, and Brady Kachuk's going to come to collect. And at that point, you need to stand up, or somebody else on Philly needs to stand up. There needs to be some kind of retribution there, and Brady Kachuk's going to find it. I mean, you can make every excuse in the book, and of course he scores the game-winning goal. But again, it looks like Brady jumped him, but I mean, it gets to a point where that becomes necessary in Brady's eyes, and... That's where his game lies, and that's where he's going to have his best success. So I'm all for it and what happened. I mean, maybe once he's down, you don't drop the gloves, but if it's the drug, if he's not going to drop his gloves, Brady's going to find a way to make him pay. This wasn't just for chirping the bench.
0: Earlier on in the game, he had a blindside hit on Jean-Gabriel Paggio, and Joel Faraby, a 19-year-old, had to come clean up that mess for Scott Lawton as he kind of skated right away. And Farabee dropped the mitts with Pajot. They did have a little back and forth. Pajot absolutely demolished fairby in the neutral zone. That was a nice little sequence where Boro got hit hard. I think it was Lawton, actually, uh, on that hit as well. And then, boom, Pajot right down on the other way. Great fight earlier in the game, too, with Nick Paul. Um, he absolutely fed Voracek, a guy who's known more for what he can do with the puck than with his fists. But just an all-in-all old-school hockey game, the Senators were on the wrong side of the 4-3 game. But that's a Saturday afternoon tank game that I'm going to watch
1: 10 out of 10 times. Absolutely. And that kind of goes into that reputation that the Senators have kind of growing i remember when i did a solo show a couple weeks back gord miller had said that the senators have that little bit of bite in them this year and i don't think that's a problem to have especially with this group moving forward that's the way they're going to stay in games and i think that's the way dj smith is preaching them to play we remember when he came over from toronto it was a big thing saying that he liked his his tough defensemen his guys that'll make you pay out front guys that'll move bodies that looks like what the senators are adopting all the way through the lineup Guys sticking up for other guys through and through. Uh,
0: You mentioned sticking in games. That's where I think more people would have the beef with Kachuk. It's 24 seconds left. You're down by one. You've got control of the puck. I think he was kind of setting a pick there to let the defenseman, I want to say it was Shabat, but whoever it was, um, allow him a lane up. And then when he saw him fold like that, and maybe Brady did get him in the area, you know, there's that little two-inch spot between the shoulder pads and the pants. but. The way he went down, Brady's like, all right, you know what? I'm already getting the two minutes. It's over. I'm going to at least make them pay for it. And Brady Kachuk, fifth in the league in hits. We talked about this going forward. But to add to your point there on, on DJ Smith wanting his teams to pay hard, the Senators as a team are also fifth in the National Hockey League in hits.
1: And we do know that Brady Kachuk received a fine now somewhere in the $2,400 mark, which I think is laughable for the amount of money. That's going to get
0: paid by the team
1: fund. Yeah, exactly. But when it comes to that, one thing comes to mind, and does that start adding towards maybe an incident in the future where they can look back and say, hey, he's kind of a repeat offender? Do you think that qualifies him? Or do you think that something more major would have to happen for him to get into the repeat offender mark? No, I mean maybe on paper, but that's not that's not egregious
0: and we've seen we've seen way less get or way more get punished less. So I, I think it was just maybe maybe the uh the management team in Philadelphia had something to say about that to the league. I'm not sure exactly what the semantics were, but I mean, I don't think that's deserved of it. Um Hathaway did what did Hathaway get for spitting on a guy? Two games? And you're yeah. going to say a little cross-check? If, if that cross-check is worth um, a fine, then Roberto Bortuzzo should be in jail for the cross-checks that he was laying on the back of Victor Arvidsson. And I'm sure Victor Arvidsson's still out for another month because of that play. is thinking, wait a second. Like, I don't know. I mean, of course, Bertuzzo got, I think, two games as well. But the, the amount of difference
1: between those two plays is astronomical, not even close. And especially with a guy like George Peros running that area of the game professionally, I think he's been in those situations, and he can look at that kind of in the way that we're looking at it in the way that Scott Lawton kind of got what he deserved and that a lot led up to that point. So to pick on that part alone would be a little bit of, uh, you used the word egregious, so I'll do it as well, egregious.
0: Um, even though he looked like he was hurt on the play, Scott Lawton did get up and leave. Same cannot be said for Travis Kene, former captain of the Ottawa sixty-sevens. Um, Boro, huge, huge hit. Boro cop patrolling the blue line. <laughs> Make sure to check out the shirts, by the way, that the Ottawa Senators are selling. Finally, um, you know, profiting off of a marketing opportunity here with Boro cop. Uh, with the whole Vancouver thing. But man, hard nosed on the ice as ever. Super clean hit, but that hit really set the tone for the entire game.
1: Yeah, you're right. And we, we talked about top five and hits with Bertie Kachuk. Boros right up there, too. Uh, the Wayne Gretzky of hitting, he's being referred to in the past. This guy, he does that's his job. Like you mentioned, Borocop on the blue line. Uh, they mentioned it all the time. You got to be aware of who's on the ice. Boro might be one of the top names in the league of guys you need to know when he's out there because, like Konechny now knows, he's going to make you pay.
0: He will, he will. We don't know what the latest is on Travis Konechny other than that he has been diagnosed with a concussion that same injury that Scott Sabare is returning to practice from. We saw some roster shuffling, JC Baudet back to Belleville. I don't know how you can do this to the the fourth line though what happens when Saburn gets back we've seen Logan Brown shift down in the lineup Jonathan Davidson's up also on that fourth line right now
1: Nick Paul the third member how do you see things shaking out here in the next week in the next week it'll be tough to see what's happening just because of we haven't had him back in a while right so seeing that bottom six play out It almost seems as though Scott Saverin will come in and be a mainstay on that fourth line, and that at least gives you one anchor and then the revolving door around them. Right now, I think Scott Saverin is the guy you want in the lineup over a kid like Jonathan Davidson or JC Boudin, who's just been sent down because they have the opportunity to go down and play a better role on a Belleville team. And I think that should be the organizational purpose right now especially with the tank going on and everything like that. Obviously, they're not going to come out and say there's a tank going on, but it's pretty clear what's been building in Ottawa for the past couple of years. So going down to Belleville right now and getting success at that level, which we've seen grow and grow as the season goes on, we'll get into more of that later. But sending guys like Jonathan Davidson down, that makes way more sense than having a guy like him up over a Scott Saverin who was brought in to play a certain role. Let him
0: play it. Especially, you know playing five, six minutes a night exactly isn't ideal for these kids. Which brings me to Logan Brown. DJ Smith was quoted as saying today, he wants Logan to push his way back up the lineup. He does not want Logan Brown playing in a fourth-line role. But that's exactly where he is right now. Tierney on the third line, Anisimov on the second line. I think what we're seeing with the shuffling, a lot was made about Connor Brown and Anthony DeClaire switching spots. Um, actually I'll get into that after. I want to ask you more specifically about Logan Brown. Um, what does he need to do to push his way back up the lineup?
1: We saw him playing very well offensively, but I think where he gets lost is the neutral zone and the defensive zone. We've seen his numbers start to decline a little bit, and then you start to see his minutes decline as he gets more into the minuses and stuff like that. We've obviously known for a long time that with his big frame, he's not as fleet of foot as the smaller players would be, even a Chris Tierney who, or an Arteman Isimov, he needs to learn where to play in the game to maximize his skill set. So being able to get back into the zone, reading a play better, it's tough for a young player like that. We saw him go up and sit in the press box. We talked about Eric from getting to watch the game at a pro level, see if it works the same for Logan Brown. It's an interesting strategy that DJ Smith seems to be fond of, but right now I think Logan Brown just needs to learn the game at his size to be able to play at the pace that the game runs at in the NHL
0: to play with pace. You have to move your feet. And uh, DJ Smith in this uh, new era of coaching was quoted. This is uh, via TSN 1200 on Twitter saying DJ Smith may win most polite coach of the week in the NHL. After a certain drill this morning, he said to Logan Brown, Logan, can you please skate as fast as you can, please? I think that's a, a simple way of saying, move your friggin' feet. Let's pick it up. So, Uh, I think this is going to be an interesting situation to monitor because his ice time has been down so much in the last few games and they can't afford to have him playing that. But at the same time, you look at the numbers that Logan Brown puts up when he's in Belleville and you got to think that he's maybe like graduated. Can't really say that for a guy who's only averaging 1225 and has one goal in 15 NHL games this year. But I think a decision, just like we were preaching on a decision with Eric Brandstrom a few weeks ago, I think it's time to make a decision here on Logan Brown.
1: I agree, and it's, it'll be interesting tonight because it seems like when he gets the time and space, he gets to, in a little more engaged in games. So if there's a power play early in a game tonight and Logan Brown's thrown out there, it'll be inter- interesting to see if that kind of dictates where the gameplay goes from there and his time on ice goes from there. Because if he can get going early in a game, it seems like he's more engaged. But if the points in the offensive side of the game doesn't come, he seems to go a little bit blank in his game and kind of get lost in the mix out there if he's not driving the play offensively or at least involved in the drive. Interesting to
0: note as well, as the Senators have returned home from their five-game road trip, that Logan Brown is averaging almost five minutes more per game at home so i'm sure he'll get a little opportunity here as dj smith gets the match lines but it's not like it's a good day when you're matching lines against bruce cassidy and he can just throw out whatever with um you know patrice bergeron returning from injury he'll go right back on that top line with Marchand and kreichi but then what pick your poison you got david kreichi all right did i say kreichi there i meant pasternak and Marchand, and then kreichi on the second line or Charlie Coyle, the man who just signed for about thirty million dollars. So I mean, pick your poison down the middle. Sean Corrali is a, a very good NHL centerman as well. So this will be a tough, tough test for the Ottawa Senators coming up. And I think that matchup reason is why they flipped Duclair off the line with with Brady Kachuk. Those two had played really well together. But Connor Brown's your most most reliable winger. Play him with Brady and and Pager and see if you can get that that. Uh, I was going to say win the matchup. Not many teams win the matchup against the Bruins' top line, but just try to limit the damage
1: as much as you can. Exactly. Have someone to kind of punch back, if you will, the speed game, the ability to shut them down defensively, create things going the other way. But if you talked about David Krejci, and when Bergeron was out of the lineup, David Krejci stepped right in. He has 14 points in his last 13 games as well. So secondary scoring for the Bruins could be a big problem for the Senators tonight because... He's back to where he's used to being, and we'll see if he can continue putting up points at the pace he has been lately.
0: Yeah, well, the guy who's going to be in charge of stopping that is Anders Nielsen, and he's coming off some starts maybe that he would would like to have a few goals back, but to go back to the home and road splits, his are, are astronomically different. On the road where he played his last two, three games, uh, rather 8.97 save percentage. Yikes. You don't want to be under 9, let alone... You don't really want to be under 9.10, but under 9. Yikes. So, 8.97 there in 8 games. He's played the same 8 number of games at home. 9.23 above league average. So, that's going to be another storyline to watch for tonight is how Anders Nielsen looks. um, Because they're going to need him. Craig Anderson re-injured himself uh, in the game against Philadelphia. So, up back comes Marcus Hogberg to be the backup tonight.
1: Yep. And um, Craig Anderson... Again, it's that battle that's constantly been going on this season of who's going to be the number one. Is it just going to be a shared crease completely? And Craig Anderson did not go out and prove his point as another one from behind the net beat him in Philadelphia. I don't know what that is with Craig Anderson, but the play coming from behind the net to the front of the net, it's brutal. I mean, a bouncing weird puck there. It got overturned because of the offside, but still he did not have a good showing. It's tough when a guy like Anders Nielsen... Is played so much lately because of the Marcus Hogberg call-up. You would hope that coming out of the injury, Craig Anderson would be able to give you a full 60 and give that break for Nielsen, but he had to come in and play relief. Uh, it's not looking good in the Senators' crease right now.
0: No, we're uh, we're unsure how long it'll be. It is a knee injury, a twisted knee, um, but he he barely was able to to play. I, I don't have the numbers. I think it was about six minutes in the game against Philadelphia and. Yeah, you mentioned plays that go from back to out front. I remember the Achilles heel used to be a wraparound. We haven't seen many go in, actually, or many really tried um, against him, but that was always a struggle uh, for Andy. Um, what else you got on Boston? I know you mentioned Krejci has the uh, the point streak going. Uh, Bergeron's back, and we got to see another look at this defense who just won through six, I think, is the epitome of what a team would love to have on their back end with some guys so offensively gifted with McAvoy and, and Tory crew talk about a guy who's going to oh. get paid, but then still have the shutdown guys, the Zidane Cheras the Kevin Millers on the other end of it.
1: Yeah. And we were just talking goaltending. So I'll stay with that kind of trend. And nobody is benefiting more from that solid blue line than Tuka Rask. He's six Oh and one his last seven games so he's just as hot as the rest of the guys in that lineup and you mentioned save percentage earlier so i'll throw his at you 933 in his last seven games you said you want to be above 910 that certainly is a little bit higher than 910
0: yeah the math checks out on that and then i mean (laughs) yarrow halak has won three of his last four games and that one loss was a a shootout loss so really talk about a two-headed monster in the crease and Last stat about the Boston Bruins, and this one blew my mind. The Boston Bruins lost to Colorado on December 7th. That was the first home loss by any Boston sports team since September 26th when the Boston Red Sox lost to the Baltimore Orioles. Patriots 5-0 at home, the Celtics 9-0 at home, and the Boston Bruins with their first loss at home of the year. Wow. in regulation that's the
1: champions pal city of champions
0: i mean that's almost the kind of streak that the belleville senators can get themselves off winners a nine of 11 uh joey dack get gets back up we're not sure when he'll get into a game but with hogberg up joey comes back after one solid performance i think it was a 34 save outcome in uh in his only start back in in brampton so he's back at yeah, 35 saves and a 2-1 victory for uh for Joey. So he's back up. And then there are some some really cool like I guess projections coming out, but right. man oh man, we know that that uh, Balsers is having a time uh down there with 15 points in in his 10 games. But over that same 10 game period, Drake's got 18 points. Josh Norris has 12. Abramov who's injured right now has 12 and Formanton has 10 with eight goals so these are exactly the guys who you want to be producing they've got another big weekend ahead of them as well down there
1: and I'm glad you mentioned Alex Formanton because he's a prospect I'm really high on he's now leading the AHL in rookie goal scoring that's awesome just like Drake's leading
0: the entire
1: league in points and all
0: that helps since our last show, they had that pair of games against the Cleveland Monsters, lost the first one. I'm not even going to read you the score. They lost, whatever. But then it's all about how you bounce back. 7-1, the final score in game two of that series. The Alex Formanton had the two goals. Max Verono, nice to see him get on with two, two goals as well. Branstrom, he we mentioned the chippiness, right? Well, he had two minor penalties for the four penalty minutes. Uh, it was just a game where everyone feels good. Lots of guys got on the score sheet. Balser's goal and an assist. Ho-hum. And uh, 29 saves for Marcus Hogberg. So lots to be excited about down there. Um, nice to see Andreas Englund back, although he did leave the game as well. That decor has just been a rotating carnival of, of names this year. So uh, lots to look forward to as as they head into a, another big weekend ahead as they host the Rockford Ice Hogs on Friday, December 13th. I'll be doing camera for that game. And then it's a quick turnaround, 4 p.m. in Toronto against the Marlies, the first place in the North Division Marlies. So that's a big weekend coming up for them.
1: It is. And you look at that, and that's... I think that game is the game that you pinpoint on the schedule and you circle it. You go into, you played the Monsters on the weekend in a back to back, and you went out there and you beat them in their second game. So you got to win out of the back to back. You always got to have a goal going into those weekend performances. And I think the big one, and this one might be one you circled on the calendar at the start of the month, that Marley's game, especially trending in the right way. You want to play the big games when you're at your peak. I think the Belleville Senators, after that 7 1 win, they're peaking right now. They're playing really well. So that one is the one you got to get ready for. You got to have a big night the night before going with some confidence, try and keep this goal scoring going. Because like you mentioned, that back end, you don't know what you're going to get out of it. Uh, it'll be interesting. You got to think that Gustafson will get that Marley start. So that means we might see Decord for end of the show in that next game. So it'll we'll see. It's a, It's a big game. I think this is one you probably learn a lot out of.
0: Another friend of the show, Drake Baston, I don't have the exact numbers, but he put up so many points against the Marlies this year. And thanks to our, our, uh, this is courtesy of our buddy Shaq TS, Trevor Shackles on Twitter. He goes, Drake Baston's played the equivalent to a full season in the AHL now since last October. So 82 games. Guess how many points he's got? Tell me. 92. 32 goals, 60 assists. I mean, This is a 21-year-old playing in the American Hockey League. That's nothing to shake a stick at.
1: Absolutely not. That's pro hockey for a guy whose career has been on a pretty unbelievable trajectory since he was passed over in his junior draft. We all know the story. He's been on the show talking about it. Grew, put on weight, put on muscle. And, I mean, if he keeps trending in this direction, he's a real player for the Senators in the future.
0: Yeah, hopefully the power forward of the future. But let's start talking about the history.
1: Former NHL tough guy,
0: all-star game MVP, uh, John Scott, uh, he tweeted something that's gone pretty viral today. Just saying, like, you know, who's a player that kids wouldn't know? Here, I'm going to read it exactly. Who's a player from 2000 to 2010 that kids today don't realize how good they were? So we tweeted out on our Twitter, at Central the entire 2005-2006 Ottawa Senators. <laughs> which, I mean, I think that team is better than the team that went to the, the Cup Final the following year because you took off Chera. I mean, just that in itself yeah. um, is a huge loss. But who uh, who are some of the players that uh, that jumped to mind? Let, let's keep this Ottawa Senators focused, and then we'll open it up. And don't say Heatley, Alfie Spets All the Sens fans know. Give me some some undercover names here that you'd be like, damn, the, like kids, those were good.
1: Yeah, and it's got, obviously, my mind went to the pizza line because kids these days see Jason Spetz at Daniel Everton, Danny Heatley, who hasn't even been in the league for a couple of years and stuff like that. They don't get how good he was, but I had a little bit of fun on the weekend. It's not exactly answering your question, but I saw a hockey card at a farmer's market on the weekend, and it was a Jonathan Chichu card. Okay, that's completely (laughs) irrelevant. Do you remember how good he was in that year he won the Art Ross, though? He was just tapping in everything from Joe Thornton. That's immediately where my line went. So I'm off topic. You give him a good Senators from that team who's not Albertson, Heatley, and Spezza. I will, and you wouldn't even be able to look at the stats, really,
0: like the the standard stats and see how good this guy is. But Anton Volchenkov used to eat pox for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He was like... The strongest defensive presence that you could have on an NHL team. I think he led the league in blocks for three years in a row. This guy was a complete warrior. He's uh, he's probably the number one guy. And, I mean, he, he's not just Carrie, Carrie Underwood's husband. Mike Fisher had a few unreal yeah. years where he put up 50 points and, and he was just as tough as they came. So those are probably the two guys. And, I mean, if they're kids that are growing up in the 2000s, like, let's say a kid who was born in 05 so they're 10 years old in 2015 they're seeing chris Neal at the end of his career they're not seeing the chris neil that put up 20 goals right they're not seeing the chris neil that was throwing them with ty domi and and all those guys back in the day george la i mean he was still fighting some tough guys in, in the mid to 2010s but man chris neil was a tough customer when he was coming up
1: Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth because there's a reason he played a 1,000 games in the NHL. Fighters don't last that long. He was a hockey player who was tough as nails. It was almost a title fight when somebody else would come in because you didn't know. It wasn't a matter of if it was going to happen. It was when it was going to happen in the game. Chris Neal would throw with anybody. You mentioned it. And the one big thing for me is if you are a young kid listening to this show, go look at when he fought, well, I guess you could say he ran over Johnny Boychuk and then fought Big Z and kind of uh, he held some punches back, you could say, for his old buddy when they were in the Sens uniforms together because not a lot of guys can take down Zadino Chara, and he was one of them.
0: Okay, maybe he didn't hit 20, but 16 goals, 33 points, and 204 Pims have a year. When he came into the league, he came in guns blazing. He had 10 goals, 17 points. 231 penalty minutes in his first pro season uh, in 2001, 2002. So, um, and just clicking on that 05, 06 team right now, just looking at some of the other names that were on there. Like who would have remembered Peter Schaefer as a guy who put up 50 points, Yeah, like t- 20 goal season for, for Schaefer and Brian Smolenski was another guy, <laughs> you know, just going down the list here. How about Andre Mazaros with, with 10 goals, 39 points I I was so excited when they drafted him because I've got a connection with a friend who's a Slovak so they already had chair they get this other Slovak kid left shot right shot like man they're gonna be a pair forever and then uh, they played one year together before uh Big Z took off oh well he still had a pretty good career I didn't realize uh getting way off track here that Andre Mazzaro's played 645 NHL games yeah he wore a <laughs> Philadelphia jersey for a long time yeah, 192 games, but believe it or not, he played more games with Ottawa than anybody else. Had 246 games with the Ottawa Senators. Your Ottawa Senators. Yeah, that's that's kind of a neat little concept that uh, that John Scott has going there. He's getting a ton of responses. So you can check him out on Twitter. I think it's at John Scott 32 but uh, we retweeted it uh, or quote tweeted it, I should say, at Send Central there. Um, so feel free to talk that out. Before we go, some news and notes. Um, the first meeting, and this is kind of crazy because, you know, there were some injuries both ways. Uh, they play in different conferences now, but Mike Hoffman and Eric Carlson, they played their first game against each other since being best of friends when they were teammates with the <laughs> Ottawa Senators. And, well,
1: it started just how you'd expect, eh, Parley? But what I don't get is what Mike Hoffman has as the issue in. Why is Hoffman going after Carlson? It's, it seemed like a backwards situation to me from what we know. But well, what do we know? What's been proven? yeah it, it I just kind of went away it, it, this this situation i think stinks on all sides i agree and there's there's fingers being pointed everywhere i remember that day being there had already been so much happening for the senders, and then that one hit and it almost seemed like unreal that there were so many things that happened over in the, the, the last, middle of
0: the randy lee thing
1: yeah it, that just kind of we're like, man, this is just keeps getting worse and worse. And then that one hit. And it was like, come on the off the ice stuff is now going to affect the on the ice stuff when the senators have to lose their captain and most lethal offensive threat at that time. So it was just the worst situation possible. It felt like at that time and it, it is wild because it does feel like forever ago that that was their first meeting since
0: I've got a great quote here that the, the athletics, George Richard, who covers the Florida Panthers, he got from Hoffman after the game. He said, I have been thinking about this game for a long time. He goes on to say he actually played tonight and I asked if he wanted to go. And obviously he did not. I chased him around for an entire shift, kept asking and asking he wouldn't. He kept saying, I'm not fighting you. Well, neither player has ever been in an NHL fight. You know what it would have reminded me of? That Bobby Ryan, Kyle Turris. And imagine (laughs) putting those two side by side if Carlson and Hoffman did. And it's like, you're 2017-18 Ottawa Senators. Like, like, oh my God. So um, they'll play again on February 17th. So get your popcorn ready. Although they did get through the rest of the game. And by the way, guys... San Jose Sharks have lost three in a row. So that's a, a great sub storyline here that that uh, we'll keep going back to, I'm sure. But I like the little jab from Hoffman anyway. It's just that, you know, he actually played tonight. I know that Carl's been in and out of the lineup. I just, I don't know. Like I said, it, there's a lot of stink on both sides of this story. And because it never came out, uh, I think it's just going to be a mystery forever.
1: I agree, and of course Mike Hoffman continues the conversation off the ice because the whole situation started off the ice.
0: There you go. Well said. And uh, a couple other news and notes. Um, how about Mad Sogart, 32 saves in his first game at the Division One World Juniors? Division One, you'd think means the best, but it's actually um, because Denmark got relegated from the World Juniors last year. So they're not there for a good reason, but 32 saves. They actually did a lose, though uh to Latvia. So they'll have a chance to regroup that. Meanwhile, Team USA will announce their team uh not their preliminary team. There will still be some cuts, but that's at four PM. Sends prospects Shane Pinto and Luke Lohite are in
1: contention. You think uh you think either has a good chance? They both have a shot. I mean this American team I don't think is gonna be as good as the ones we've seen in the past. So these guys could hop in there and uh you never know what happens. You can have a good camp or uh, you can kind of fall off a little bit. Some of the top guys don't go in ever guaranteed a spot. If you remember back, Tyler Sagan never wore a can- Team Canada jersey and World Juniors, so you never know what's going to happen. Uh, I think they both got a decent shot at making it, though.
0: The Long Island native uh, who goes to North Dakota, he's got 14 points in 17 games to start his NCAA career and had a three-point night on Saturday. It's his third multi-point game of the season. That's according to our friend, Sense prospects, and once all this world junior stuff kind of shakes out where the teams are named, we'll get sense prospects back in the show to give you a, a preview of what to expect from them at the world juniors, including first rounder Lassie Thompson. Every time I look at the Ilva's blue line, man, he's putting up points and he's doing it consistently. So, you'll love to see the uh, the progression in his game, just like JVD, those two could potentially be the anchor of the right side of the Sens' defense for years to come.
1: Without a doubt, there's definitely going to be a lot of talent to uh, look at this year for the Senators. I remember looking back at one of my fondest memories in Ottawa Senators' related history. Obviously, this one's going to hurt a little bit, the Mark Stone year when he went absolutely off. But then I remember tweeting out a Sensational goal as Drake Batherson fed Alex Formington in a big game that won Canada the gold medal. So it's always fun Following the prospects of your team. I guess you could say graduation style program from junior to the pros.
0: Yeah, sure is. As he put up 41 points in 63 games with Kelowna last year. This year, six goals, 10 points in 21 games playing against men in the Finnish Elite League as a 19 year old. September 24th, 2000, birth year. Yeah, I'll let that sink in, make you feel old. He's one of these guys we'd have to explain how good Chris Neal is. It's always an exciting time of year when the world juniors come into focus, but there's plenty of hockey to be played until then. Tomorrow we'll be back to break down the Bruins Sens game, and hopefully we'll be talking about Shane Pinto representing the Team USA at that tournament. For Chris Parliament, I'm Ross Levitan. This is Locked On Senators, your team, every day.